folks it's been a while right in case you forgot my name is kevin and i'm your host this is nobody asked you kevin and guess what i'm kicking off year two of the nobody asked you kevin podcast this is episode 32 and i am so damn surprised that i made it to season two to year two of this podcast so like i just said Uh, Season two. So because it's year two, I'm calling it season two of Nobody Asked You, Kevin. I made it to season two. Fuck yeah. And I thank each and every one of you uh, that has spent any amount of time, whether it's seconds or minutes or hours, listening to me ramble on about music and movies and terrible opinions. So thank you, thank you, thank you. On the agenda today is pretty much all music. But first, a special announcement. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. I started a science-focused podcast. It's called Dose Makes the Poison, the Toxcast. So far, I've got about three episodes up. I have a background episode, an introduction to forensic toxicology episode, and then an episode... Uh, about the intersection of forensic toxicology and pop culture as I talk about the new Ryan Johnson film, Knives Out. Please head over to Dose Makes the Poison the Toxcast after you are finished listening to this episode. Give it a like, subscribe. Um, Nobody asked you, Kevin. This podcast will be the pop culture, the music, the movies, the TV, all that sort of stuff podcast. Dose Makes the Poison, the Toxcast, will be where I talk science, specifically forensic chemistry, toxicology, drugs, poisons, and with a, like you just heard, with a tad bit of a pop culture crossover. So for Dose Makes the Poison, expect about one to two episodes per month. That's what I'm aiming for. Some months it might be one, some months it might be two. Same thing with Nobody Asked You, Kevin. One to two episodes per month, depending on what's going on at the time. But again, you can go search for Dose Makes a Poison right now. It's on Spotify and Anchor and Google Podcast, Radio Public. Still waiting for it to be accepted by Apple Podcasts. They are notorious for taking a substantial amount of time to get it accepted. But it has been submitted there, so it will eventually be there. But enough of that for now. 
I need to get into a couple of things that are in the news right now or have been over the last few weeks. It's been a while since I've talked to all of you. I think the last episode, episode 31, was the Halloween Spooktacular. And now it is mid-December, so it's been a while. So let's just address this stuff right now. Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy is a world treasure. Black Sabbath is one of my favorite all-time bands. And Ozzy, as a solo artist, is so badass. I mean, he's awesome. One of the artists I still listen to the most over all of these years. But over the last couple of years, he has been hurt a lot. He's getting old. He just had a birthday on December 3rd, and he is now 71 years old. He is old. He's had some issues earlier this year in 2019 during the spring and summer, and he had to postpone much of his 2019 tour until next year, 2020. Uh, the kid and I actually had tickets to go see him in Cincinnati uh, with Megadeth opening up, but it was pushed to June of 2020 because of his injuries. Uh, so with all that said, um, he seems to be in better health now. He's rescheduled all of his shows. He's even working on new material for uh, a new album in 2020, uh, some of which he has actually released so far. And some of what he has released is good. And he's released, I believe, three songs. Um, the first one was called Under the Graveyard, which you can hear a bit of here. And then they're straight to hell. I'll make you scream. I'll make you defecate. <laughs> And then there's this, a song called Take What You Want. Uh, it, it, it's actually Post Malone and Travis Scott. And they performed this song live a couple of weeks ago at the American Music Awards. 
And it sounded like this. Just warning you now, it is not good. So too much auto-tune, too much Post Malone, too much of that talentless hack Travis Scott, too much of that junk. But I'm, 
but I'm happy for Ozzy. I mean, he seems to be having fun up there on stage. And that guitar player, I don't know who that guitar player is in this song, but he is no Zach Wild. Shitty ass guitar player in this version of that song. Crap. Complete crap. <laughs> Okay, next topic, Billie Eilish. She's been in the news a couple of times recently. Um, Pretty minor stuff in my opinion, but I thought I'd talk about it anyways, throw it into this episode. Uh, If you don't know who Billie Eilish is, I'm actually surprised you escaped her for this long. But long story short, she's a 17-year-old singer-songwriter from Los Angeles, California. She's released two EPs in 2017, and she released her first full-length album in March of 2019. So she's had a big year, especially with this song, Bad Guy. So you're a tough guy, like you really rough guy, just can't get enough guy, just always so puff guy. I'm that bad type, make your mama sad type, make your girlfriend mad type, might seduce your dad type. I'm the bad guy. Duh. But she was nominated for and won favorite artist in the alternative rock category at the American Music Awards. And I've listened to her music a lot. I'm a fan. I like her music. I haven't heard anything by her that I would describe as bad. I've enjoyed it all. She's a very unique artist. She has a very different sound than a lot of artists. I even love her quirky music videos. Some of her music videos are pretty cool. But one thing is for certain, she isn't rock. She isn't alternative rock. She uh, isn't in anywhere close to being rock and roll in any form. So I would probably put classify her music as pop music. I mean, it's pretty gen- generic, but pop music. But again... It isn't rock music in any way, shape, or form. So I have no idea who in the hell thought it was a good idea to nominate her for alternative rock category. And then she won. The voters voted her as an alternative rock artist. Completely pathetic. I don't understand it, but whatever. And that's the bottom line. Why? Because those Stone Cold said so. Thank you very much, you son of a bitch. Oh, and Billy was also in the news for a second thing not too long ago. Uh, She was on Jimmy Kimmel's late night show, um, and he asked her specifically if she knew who Van Halen was, and she had no idea who they were. Um, Social media kind of ignited immediately afterward, making fun of it, and it kind of exploded with with, uh, tweets and posts on Facebook and all sorts of stuff, as it usually does. Social media always takes things out of context. But why is, I mean, ultimately, why is this a surprise? Let's, let's take a, a look, just back up for a minute and take a look at Van Halen. They were at their biggest and best between 1978 when they released Van Halen 1 and 1984 when they released the 1984 album. Those years were the original years with David Lee Roth. But after 84, they parted ways with Roth and they hired then Montrose frontman Sammy Hagar. And then we got the form of Van Halen that some people still affectionately term Van Hagar. But 
This is 2019, almost 2020. 1984 was 35 years ago. And in January of 2020, the 1984 Van Halen album will be exactly 36 years old. Van Halen 1 is 41 to 42 years old. Billie Eilish is 17. She does not play rock music. I'm honestly not surprised she doesn't know who Van Halen is or was. I don't understand the big deal. So let's look at it this way. This is a really good way to look at it. In 1984, do you think teenagers knew or were hip to or whatever the lingo is, uh, knew who Bing Crosby or Dinah Shore or Frankie Lane or the Andrews sisters or Vaughn Moore do you know? Do you think teenagers in 1984 were actually paying attention to any of those artists? I seriously doubt it. I seriously doubt it. Van Halen was one of the quintessential American rock bands during the late 70s and early 80s. But again, I am not surprised at this. And nobody else should be surprised at this. So social media can just take a back seat, take a, just take a seat and shut up about this because it's not a huge deal. I was introduced to a new band recently. I had no idea who this band was, and a friend introduced me to them, said, hey, you might like this song, and I listened to it, and I loved it. And I looked up information about this band because I had no idea who they were. Their name is Blood Incantation. They are death metal. They are a death metal band. But I'm going to call them the Pink Floyd of death metal. And that name isn't used lightly, especially by me. I love Pink Floyd, talked about them before on this podcast and various songs, talked about psychedelic and progressive rock music on this podcast quite a bit so far, but Blood Incantation, the band, is almost like a psychedelic and progressive death metal band. It, it, it's very weird to say that, but it's really, really good. So just think about it this way. If you take... Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here. You added a bit of King Crimson and a dash of Yes and a pinch of Rush. And then you put all of that atop a heaping pile of death metal. You're going to get Blood Incantation. It is weird, but it is so damn good. So who are these guys? Blood Incantation is an American death metal band out of Colorado. They formed in 2011. I hadn't heard of them until 2019. Uh, but they have released two albums on the Dark Descent label. Uh, members, uh, vocals and guitar, Paul Riedel, Morris Kolontirsky on guitar, Isaac Falk on drums, and Jeff Barrett plays a fretless bass guitar. But they released their first album called uh, Star Spawn in 2016, and in November of this year, 19, they just released their second album, and it's called The Hidden History of the Human Race. And if you actually pay attention to Blood Incantation, most of their lyrics have to do with space and death. 
But I want to give special attention to this song, which I was introduced to, uh, which I'm about to play. Uh, it's called Inner Paths to Outer Space. It's off, again, they're off their 2019 new album, and it's a good representation of the type of music they play. So if you can, as long as you aren't driving a vehicle or operating heavy machinery, sit back, close your eyes, listen to a bit of this song. It's a tremendous trip. It's a nice trip.
So that's pretty rad, eh? That is awesome. I absolutely love this band, It Blood Incantation, and I especially love that song that we just heard a little bit called Inner Paths. I highly recommend listening to the Hidden History album. It's a very, it's a weird album. It's different, but you can find it uh, on YouTube. You can find it on Spotify. You can buy it on iTunes. Go support these guys if you can. They are pretty badass. The drumming is excellent in in a lot of this music. It's just not typical death metal. There's acoustic guitars. They introduce kind of the psychedelic and progressive uh, instruments, tablas and gongs. Uh, the when you look at the album itself, the album is only made up of four songs, which is very different from some other albums. Um, it, it's got like a lot of the almost a progressive rock, the longer song lengths. Um, the, the, the entire album is just over 36 minutes in length, but it's intense. Um, the song titles are pretty amazing too. So track one is called Slave Species of the Gods. Track two is called the Giza Power Plant. Track three is what you just heard is Inner Paths to Outer Space. And track four, which is um, a gloriously named song, one of the best titles I've ever heard of a song. It is called, and let me, let me take a breath here. Awakening from the dream of existence to the multidimensional nature of our reality, Mirror of the Soul. And this song clocks in about 18 minutes long. It takes up about half that album. The song titles are, of course, a bit Pink Floyd and maybe even Rush inspired. Or the Hidden History album um, is a is is a really cool album in my opinion. I give it, I mean, for the nobody asked you Kevin ratings, I give it a rating of the shit, which is the highest that I can give. It's a phenomenal cosmic death metal album, and I highly recommend you check it out. The last thing I'll say at blood, about Blood Incantation, the Pink Floyd of death metal, um, the artwork for the Hidden History album, pretty damn cool as well. Uh, if you know anything about 70s and 80s sci-fi uh, and novels, uh, you know the, the, uh, the name Bruce Pennington. He is a renowned science fiction and horror artist. Um, he, ha- he did, they, he did the, the, the the art for the cover of uh, Blood Incantation's Hidden History album. But he's done covers for authors such as Robert Heinlein's um, Stranger in a Strange Land, The Time Enough for Love, Frank Herbert's uh, Dune series, H.P. Lovecraft, Isaac Asimov, Brian Aldiss. Uh, the artwork on here is really cool because it depicts like an alien being staring off in the space and it, it sets the tone of what the album, what you, what you're going to hear on the album. Uh, give it a look if you can, if you can search out, uh, Bruce Pennington's work on the internet, he has his own website that he maintains where you can see all of his cover art that he has ever done on as well as other art. So I just wanted to, to show you that blood incantation is a badass band and I highly recommend them and they get a nobody asked you Kevin rating of the shit. I want to talk about a concert I went to a few days ago. I ventured up to the Vogue theater here in Indianapolis and broad ripple on a Thursday night for a special acoustic show by the bands American bombshell and pop evil American bombshell. I mean that you probably don't know who they are. Um, if you're outside of the Indianapolis area, you might, 
American Bombshell is a local band out of Indianapolis, Indiana. They formed in 2014. They released their second album called Tattooed and Bruised in the spring of 18 on EMP Records. And the way, the best way to describe them is just pure, unfiltered rock and roll. In-your-face rock. And here's a bit of one of their songs off their latest album, Tattooed and Bruised, Money on the Liquor. And I'm going to play just a bit of the song with the guitar solo because I love this guitar solo so much. I've seen American Bombshell a few times now. I saw them when they opened for Buck Cherry. I, they also opened for Seven Dust this year. Um, and now we have them playing with Pop Evil. Uh, but I highly, highly recommend it. But this was a pretty cool show because it was their first ever acoustic show that they did. So, And it's very different than their normal music. You just heard a bit of Money on the Liquor and... That is a highly, highly pure rock and in-your-face rock and roll electric song. And they did all acoustic versions of their, their music, which was pretty cool. So here is just a bit of one of their slower songs called Joyride that I enjoy tremendously. I've talked about Pop Evil on this podcast before. They made my favorite music of 2018 episode, which was all the way back in this podcast to episode five. Um, but again, Pop Evil is a rock band out of Muskegon, Michigan, and they formed in 2001. So they've been around for a while, for 18 years. They released one EP and five studio albums, with the last one being a 2018 self-titled release. 
Uh, but that album had the singles Waking Lions, A Crime to Remember, and Be Legendary. If you listen to Sirius XM, Octane, or other radio rock stations, I'm sure you've heard either Waking Lions or Be Legendary. So just to give you a taste of what they are, here's a clip of Be Legendary. And I've seen these guys play live a couple of times now. But again, this was like American Bombshell's first acoustic set ever. This was Pop Evil's second acoustic set ever. Because they had just played their first ever acoustic set uh, in Pittsburgh the night or two before this. But let me tell you, I really loved the way this was set up. It was pretty cool the way it was set up. And they just had two guitar players and a vocalist on stage. So if you go all the way back, I'm old. I'm old as fuck. Um, And if you go all the way back to the the heydays of MTV and VH1, uh, they had like MTV's Unplugged. Uh, VH1 had a Storytellers TV show. Um, Well, this show was kind of like that. They took questions from the crowd. They told stories about their music and life as a band. It was pretty damn cool. Um, I even asked uh, specifically about if you could do a collaboration with anybody that's living, who would you do um, a collaboration with? And uh, the lead singer, Poppy Evil, answered that he would love to work with Eddie Vedder um, uh, eventually down the line. He's met him before and, and all of that. But, I mean, he specifically, were they were asking and answering questions from the from the, the crowd, the, the audience, which was pretty cool. And so that was really really awesome but the music was excellent as well the and the show started out with lead vocalist um and the guitar player um the lead vocalist out on stage by himself uh with his guitar on a stool and he did a solo version of their 2008 hit 155 so i'm gonna just play a clip of this as well because i love playing clips of these things but this is just a solo acoustic version of the lead singer of Pop Viol out on stage with his guitar belting out a version of this song from 2008. Rock and roll, and I pray the music on. Till they 
reflection The drunken can won't remember anyway And she said, it's just a game, boy Don't be gone, don't be gone for long Ten years, I've been doing this forever So I know, baby, please don't turn away I know you don't believe in me But I do believe in you, she said We're going a hundred and fifty Just meant to be, and I'm still falling away from here, away from here. Lord. I'm And what I really thought was cool too was uh, they even because it's Christmas time. I mean, it's mid-December, and they incorporated some Christmas stuff in their show and as well as playing their own Christmas music and talking about Christmas as life on the road during Christmas and that sort of thing. But they even sang an own ver- their own version of a Christmas song and he titled it Rock for Christmas. So I just want to play a bit of this because I love the song. Um, I had never heard this song and he, he had just debuted it. So uh, here's a, ver- a bit of Rock for Christmas. So close, so far away. I remember back in the day, people used to play more guitar. We used to worship all rock stars. We were both these times would change, and then the rock bands faded away. But some of us were born to play, so I had to stay. I highly recommend both of these bands. Go check out their music if you like badass rock and roll. You can find their music as most most bands. You can find them on YouTube, Spotify. You can purchase them through iTunes or I, if it's being called Apple Music these days or other streaming services. Pop Evil is playing a total of five acoustic shows before, before the end of the year, um, which by the time you hear this, it's probably going to be closer to the end of the year. So very imminent. I'm so happy that one of the choices was Indianapolis, and I would definitely see these guys again in an acoustic setting if they ever decided to do that.
And as an add-on to this episode, uh, sad news actually broke over the past day or two. Uh, Marie Fredriksson, vocalist and keyboard player for the Swedish pop band Roxette, passed away on December 9th at the age of 61. Um, she had um, struggled with her health for the last, I mean, probably 17 or so years. But she, in 2002, she had a malignant brain tumor removed. Um, and she underwent months of chemotherapy and radiation treatment. The lasting effects of the tumor, though, and the radiation were felt uh, throughout the rest of her life. She became blind in one eye. She had limited hearing and mobility for quite a while. She lost the ability to read and write for a while. Uh, she eventually healed enough that she was she attempted a return to music a few years later. But she passed away the other day. Um, and Roxette is one of those bands that is in the late 80s and early 90s was a staple of the, um, uh, if you want to call pop rock or, or soft rock type uh, genre. Uh, Roxette formed in 1986. They were a duo. There was just two of them in the band. Uh, Marie Fredrickson, who was a vocalist to keyboard player, and then Pierre Gessel, who was on vocals and guitar. And they remained a duo from 1986 until her death. Um, I talked a brief second about Roxette back in episode 22 when I talked about a cover version of their hit song, The Look. But here's a, a bit of Roxette, Roxette's 1989, The Look. They had some major hits, which included the previously played The Look, along with Listen to Your Heart, It Must Have Been Love, Dangerous, Fading Like a Flower, and a personal favorite of mine, 1991's Joyride. So to put them in perspective about how well liked they were and how good they Roxette was, um, after ABBA, Roxette is the most commercially successful band from Sweden. They, throughout their history, um, they cumulatively have sold around 60 million records worldwide, with only about 3.5 million of those sold in the United States. So they are a worldwide phenomenon. And six, since 1986, they had released 10 studio albums, one live album, and eight compilation albums. And from those albums, they had 19 uh, top 40 hits in the UK, four number one singles in the United States, and those were The Look, Listen to Your Heart, It Must Have Been Love, and Joyride. And then two other singles um, hit number two in the United States. Those were Dangerous and Fading Like a Flower. Uh, so... Again, 
Farewell, Marie. Your music is and will continue to be loved by so many people. Um, I love personally loved Roxette. They were an awesome band in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, so rest in peace. So I'm going to end today's episode with a a very weird question for you. And if you've listened all the way through this episode and you've made it through all the music talk, here's the only thing that's going to be different. Um, I was in the, I was in the grocery store the other day and I was reminded of some stuff from my youth. Uh, so when you go to the deli to get some meat for sandwiches, do you ever buy pickle loaf or macaroni and cheese loaf? I've eaten mac and cheese loaf before, but it was like 25 or 30 years ago. I want to hear from somebody who likes either of these, pickle loaf or mac and cheese loaf. Do I know anyone out there that eats eats these, pickle loaf or mac and cheese loaf? Okay, I'm going to end this. That was a weird question. I don't even know where it came from other than I was in a deli and I had a memory and uh, I just wanted to ask. So contact information on Twitter at Forensic Talks Guy or the show at Asked Kevin. On Facebook at the Nobody Asked You Kevin podcast page. Email me at nobodyaskedyoukevin at gmail.com. Remember, when you're done here, go check out my science podcast, Dose Makes the Poison, the ToxCast. Hopefully, soon it will be available on Apple Podcasts. Um, If you are interested in that sort of thing, check it out. Episode 3, like I said, I covered uh, Knives Out and how drugs and toxicology play a role in that movie. So you, the listeners, the audience, the people, you, if you're listening now and you're interested in the movie Knives Out, tremendous movie, and in how the drugs and toxicology played a role in it and was it done accurately, go check that out. I would love to get feedback on that show. So I got to go, people. It's time to go. Much love to all of you. Peace.